My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of leading us in God's Word this morning. So we are continuing our series in the prayers of Jesus, and the sermon title this morning is Prayer That Puts God's Agenda First, looking especially at John 17, 1-5. I came across this poll recently. Americans are the unhappiest they've been in 50 years. Just 14% of U.S. adults say they're very happy. That is not happy news. Uh, It reminds me of this quote from Blaise Pascal. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. This is the motive of every action of every man. And isn't that true? We all just want to be happy. And everything we do is for that goal. So on the next slide here, you'll see a picture of me in high school. And it has nothing to do with the sermon. But I just want you all to know that, yes, my entire life, I have been this good looking. (laughs) So on the right, you'll see a picture of uh, Lakeside Bible Camp. So kind of cool that we got to see um, a video from, uh, from TJ Ford Bible Camp and just the lives that are changed at camp, and I'm one of those. My life was changed at Bible camp. So back when I was in, uh, just finished high school, my, um, uh, at my church, there was a college student who invited me to come work at this camp off of the coast of Washington on Whidbey Island. And uh, it was a one month long thing. And while, we were on, while, while I was working at that camp, one of the things that we had to do was read the Bible on our own every morning. We had like 20 minutes where we were supposed to do our quiet times. and. Uh, this verse, Mark 8.35, was a life-changing verse for me. It says this, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the good news, you will save it. These are the words of Jesus. And when I read this on my own, just me sitting there with my Bible at, at, at Bible camp, uh, it, it took me a while to figure it out, to be honest. But uh, eventually I got it. And I realized that what Jesus was saying to me is that if I grasp onto my life and refuse to surrender it to God and just say, no, I'm doing my life my way, then that would end up meaning I would lose my very soul. I would lose my life. But if I would trust God enough to surrender, to surrender my life to him, and make him the Lord, that then and only then could I experience real, abundant, fulfilling life. So happiness. How do we experience true happiness? True happiness is found when we put God's agenda first. So how do we do that? So, of course, uh, great way to find that out would be to read the entire Bible, but we're not going to do that this morning. We're just going to look at John 17, 1 to 5, the beginning of Jesus' uh, prayer in John 17, and we're going to answer this question from these these, uh, verses. How do we put God's agenda first? So number one, hunger for the heavenly. So in verse 1, it says this, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, 
And that's often how the Jews of this day, that, that before they would pray, when they would pray, they would often raise their eyes to heaven. They would look heavenward. And that, is, that may be the way many of us pray today. But also it's helpful to look at, think about when, it says here, when Jesus has spoken these words, what is, what did he just say? What, what, what are these words that Jesus had just spoken? And, and uh, so let me, let me bring us back one verse. So at the end of chapter 16, Jesus says this. I have, he's speaking to his disciples. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's John 16, 33. And in John 15, in 14, 15, and 16, like the three chapters before this prayer that we're looking at today, Jesus was talking about his upcoming death and telling his disciples that he would be leaving them and also telling his disciples that life was going to be trials for them, to be difficult. And of course, he told them also that the Holy Spirit, that he'd be sending the Holy Spirit to them. But life is going to be difficult for them, he is saying, So why hunger for the heavenly? The answer is that Jesus is the only one who truly satisfies. In John 6.35, we see Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said, I am the bread of life. He is the one that truly satisfies. And not just, not just for now, but forever. C.S. Lewis says this, if we find within ourselves a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And isn't that your experience, that you have a longing deep inside of you for something that you have just not found satisfied in this world? Every single human being has a deep longing that this world cannot satisfy. In Isaiah 55, 1 to 2, we read this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? And isn't that the story of our world today? Our world is full of people who go after one thing after another to try to satisfy their deep longings, and nothing, nothing satisfies. Because only Jesus can. So how do we hunger for the heavenly? Uh, four, three things come to mind. First, head, heart, and hands. So I want to say a few words about each one. So head, set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. It's Colossians 3.2. Paul writes that. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So how do, we, how do we, what does it look like to do that? How do we do that? First thing I think of is reading scripture. It's as I was sharing earlier, uh, how God spoke to me through Mark 8.35 way back at Bible camp when I was 18 years old. It's oftentimes when we get, uh, it's just me and my Bible when I experience God's 
word and God speaking to me. And that's how, that's one of the main ways that we set our minds on things above. And how many, how many things we, we, our minds just kind of tend to, we flit from one thing to the next and we think of our job and our work and our home and our, the things we have to do, things we have to buy, things we have to pay. And the list goes on and on and on. And our minds can just be so convoluted with all of the things of this world that certainly we need to think about. But do we ever take time to think about the most important thing? Jesus? Oh, how our souls would be filled up and satisfied if we would just turn our phones off and turn the TV off and turn the music off and just sit in the presence of God. Maybe with a Bible on our lap. Saying, God, speak to me. God, put my mind on, on things above, on heavenly things, because you are where life is at. Then the heart, and in 1 John 2.15, Jesus says, or John says, do not love the world nor the things of the world that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. What a, con what a contrast. Like it's either one or the other. We can't love both. And I'm convinced that we love the things of this world only because we think they're going to make us happy. But they don't. Over and over again, they don't. And yet, we keep on going back to them, expecting that for some reason, it might be different this time. But it never is. Wayne Grudem says, sin is ultimately irrational. It makes no sense. Because we know by experience that that God and obeying him and walking with him and knowing him is the only way to really be satisfied and have peace in our life. And the hands. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. In other words, if you want to know, Jesus says, if you want to know if my teaching is true, if it's from God, just do what I say and you'll find out. Isn't that, isn't that your experience? I mean, look back on your life and think about when, when you like purposefully like, this is what God wants me to do. Maybe even it's hard, but I'm going to do it his way because I trust him. And then later you find out, wow, your experience is that it, it worked. Like when I do things God's way, it's like life just works. And I have peace and wholeness in life. Are you hungry for the heavenly these days? So one more little plug for our prayer and worship night. If you are hungry for the heavenly, I would suggest that we will experience that when we come together for the prayer and worship night. So just want to encourage you to take a risk and come and expect God to show up. And a reminder, it's family friendly. So if you have kids, bring them, bring them in. And if you have to leave early, no problem. All right, number two, how do we put God's agenda first? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. 
that cold Jesus is asking the Father to glorify him so that Jesus can glorify the Father. And what is our purpose in existence? It's to, it's to glorify God. Isaiah 43, 6 to 7 says, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. There's our purpose right there, right? Why did God make me? Why did God create you? It's for his glory. I do college ministry, and I, I love talking to college students and, and, uh, about these things, and they, 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 they object, like, well, that's so selfish for God to be all about his own glory. And I love just digging deep into that. Like, is it really, is that really selfish of God to be all about his own glory? Question, who, who or what else could God possibly be all about? If God is the most magnificent, wonderful, amazing, glorious being in the universe, it would be sin for God to be about anything else, right? The most wonderful, perfect, amazing thing that God can possibly do is to be all about his own glory. It is the best thing for us that God is all about his own glory. And it's for his own glory that he saved you and me. It is for his own glory that Jesus died on a cross. It is for his own glory that he forgives us and makes us into a new creation in Christ and gives us eternal life. That is all for his own glory. And when we find pleasure in him and find joy and peace and life and knowing him and walking with him and obeying him, he is glorified. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And John Piper makes a, a small change. John Piper's version is, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Are you enjoying God these days? John Piper also says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Have you ever known people that sometimes think that, well, you know, I, I just go to church on Sunday morning. I don't enjoy it, but I, but I go because I have to. I don't enjoy singing worship songs. I don't enjoy listening to a sermon. I don't enjoy church but I do it because that's the right thing to do. I'm going to suffer for Jesus. Is God glorified by that? No. Can you imagine me telling my friend, like, who's not a Christian, like, you need to know who Jesus is. He's wonderful. He can forgive your sins. He can spend eternity with him. My friend says, Steve, do you love Jesus? I go, well, no. But... No, that doesn't make any sense. I invite other people to, to know Jesus because I love him. And if I don't love him, I have no business telling anyone else to love him. And if I don't love him, then he is not glorified by my, by my 
obedience because I feel like I have to. No, he's glorified when we enjoy him. Are you enjoying Jesus these days? How can we at Cold Springs Church celebrate more the way that God is working in us and the way we are enjoying him? You might be wondering, Steve, how can we do that? And I'm glad you asked. So we're doing this thing called Stories. And we have um, a blog. Some of you might have seen that on our website. We have a blog. And so we have a part of our blog called Stories. And I just want to give this invitation to you. Uh, how is God working in your life? Would you share it with the rest of us? You take a short, like, one minute or less video of yourself. Just talk. doesn't need to be perfect. Just authentic. And send that over. And, and we would love to share that with our church to encourage each other that God is at work. Or if you'd like to write, just write a short blog post and, and email it to me and I'll post it on the blog. And then we can celebrate with each other the ways that God is working among us. All right, number three, how do we, how do we put God's agenda first? Accept his authority. Verse two says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Jesus has all authority. He has given authority. He has authority to give eternal life. So we need to receive it. Have you received it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That offer is available to you. Jesus died for you to bring you into a relationship with himself. Have you received it? Have you believed him? Do you believe it? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asks us too. Do we believe it? But whoever drinks of this water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of, well, of water welling up to eternal life. Are you drinking it? Eternal life. The spirit of God filling us to overflowing. Are you drinking it? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Are you experiencing this? Are you experiencing the security in knowing that you have eternal life? You will never be snatched out of Jesus' hands. I love the context of this verse here in John 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will per never perish and no one can take them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing his voice these days? Are you taking the time to hear his voice? To listen. And I know them. Those who listen to him, he knows. And they follow me. Those who know Jesus follow him. Those whom he knows are those who follow him. Jesus says, come, be my disciple. Follow me. Make me Lord. Make me your master. Obey me. Have life. He has authority to command obedience. So obey him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I, I remember when I was in college and I read that for the first time. And I was like, wow. I didn't know that Lord meant boss. Like, I just thought that meant God or something. But like, Lord, like, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me boss and then you don't do what I say? Jesus, I, I told you I would follow you and, and now, now, now it's getting real. I've got to live it out. Rock or sand? Matthew 7, Jesus tells a, a little parable about a house built on rock or sand. Everyone who hears these words of mine, he says, he just, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it was built on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew, beat against the house and the house fell. And it, it was a great fall. There's only two options. Build your house on the rock or the sand. Obedience. Obeying Jesus is like building it on the rock. If we don't, if we just hear the word, if we just hear Jesus' words and we don't obey them, it's like we're building our house on the sand and the rain and the, the winds and the storm comes and then poof, just falls to pieces. Do you want your life to fall to pieces? Build your house on the rock. So funny, the picture on the left, picture on the right. Do you want your house, to, your life to look like the picture on the right? No, I'd rather live on the house on the, on the left. Well, it's a little small, but it looks pretty, doesn't it? Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. What a wonderful prayer. Do you think God likes it when we pray that? Do you think God answers when we pray that? When we pray, Lord, teach me how to do your will. Show me what you want me to do. We open up the scriptures and we say, God, speak to me. I want to obey you. Do you think God's like peering over the clouds going, ah, I don't think I want Steve to obey me today? No. No. May we be a people who, this, who pray this constantly. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me how to obey you. He has authority to make you whole. So let him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Isn't that a great picture of wholeness? Dying to sin and living for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been healed. You have been made whole. Come to me all who labor and are heavy and laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Do you want rest for your soul? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Eternal life, obedience, wholeness, these are all things we experience in community. And that's why we're here, right? Because we know that God created us to, to live life with God together. 
just want to make a little plug for a starting point. So after each first service every Sunday at 9, uh, sorry, 10.15, we have starting point. And uh, it's just a way to meet with one of the pastors and it's just like 15 minutes and just to, to get to know us. And so we can, how can we, how can we connect? How can we connect you better? There's so much going on here at Cold Springs Church and we want to connect you. There is a place for you in God's kingdom here. And so if you want to know more about Starting Point, uh, please email or contact uh, Pastor Esther. All right, number four, how do we put God's agenda first? Verse three says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Recognize your purpose. What is your purpose? What is my purpose? It is to know God, isn't it? This is eternal life. This is life forever, that they may know you. Isn't it funny? Some people think that, that heaven is going to be boring, but heaven is not going to be boring because heaven is eternal life is all about knowing God. And we are never going to finish knowing God because God is infinite. He's infinitely greater than we are. So we will never finish getting to know God. So heaven will not be boring. That is for sure. So that is our purpose, to know God. I've heard this said before, if you don't know where you're going, you're probably not going to get there. Do you know where you're going? Do you know what you want out of life? Do you want to know God? Is that your number one? It's better to fail while attempting to do the right thing than to succeed at doing the wrong thing. Make it your passion to know God. And the cool thing is, if that's our passion, we will not fail at getting to know God because God has revealed himself to us and he wants to be known by us. So what is my purpose? My purpose is to know God. Jeremiah 9, 24, let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, says the Lord. And to make God known, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations. Our purpose, my purpose, your purpose is to know God, that I would be right with him, and then we, we would help others to know him. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. Go, spread the gospel. Here's a picture of, uh, this is what I was doing a few days ago. I was on, um, on the coast in Santa Maria, Hancock College, a community college there in Santa Maria. And we have a college minister there and a handful of students meeting together at Carol's house. The back left, uh, it might be hard to see, but there's back left standing up is Carol. Carol's a retired lady, and she just loves hosting these students at her house. She made us this meal, and, uh, and she does this um, every month. She has all these kids come into her house, and, and Carol goes on campus. Next slide, you'll see a picture of her on campus doing the solarium survey, which we have out, out in the foyer if you want to do that. It's a, just a fun little picture survey to get to know people. And Carol does this on college campuses, on, on the college campus at Hancock College. Students come by and, and she shares the gospel with them. And she invites them to read the Bible with her. And she invites them into community. And Carol, Carol, uh, there's three words of wisdom from Carol. Number one is just show up. Like, in the very beginning, she would do it, and she'd be like so scared to death, like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do I don't. Kids aren't going to want to talk to me. College students, what do they want to talk to an old grandma for? And now she's learned, just show up. 
Because when you show up, God works. Just show up. You're the presence of Jesus in people's lives. So just show up. Number two is I can't, but God can. Carol, Carol just, she's like, I can't do this. I, I don't have the strength. I don't have the, I, I don't have the expertise. I'm not trained in ministry. But God can. And she sees that every time she goes on campus. She just shows up and God works. And number three, the third wisdom is it's for me, not them. Carol says over and over again, she says, I go on campus for the students and because I, I'm, I'm doing it for, you know, just to, to, the, to do it for the Lord, to share the gospel and, and these students need the gospel. But when I go home, I think, wow, I really, really needed that because she, she finds so much joy. And so I just want to encourage you. Are you a Carol? And we're all Carols, aren't we? There are people in our lives that need the gospel, that need Jesus. We can be the presence of Jesus for them. But especially, think of the younger people that God's put in our lives that we can pour into. And we don't realize, you know, I'm young, I'm 50, right? I'm young. But people don't, re we don't realize how much younger people, how much we have to offer them. So make it a point to pour your life into younger people. Psalm 138.8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. What a great prayer. And the confidence that he will fulfill his purpose for us. All right, number five, how do we put God's agenda first? Trust in his finished work. Verse four and five says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Isn't that funny? He's talking about the work that, he says, the work that you gave me to do, I have accomplished. And yet, he's primarily talking here about the death that he's going to, he's going to die on the cross shortly. But it's as good as done because he is committed to going to the cross for you and for me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Wow, right there is so clear, the pre-existence of Jesus. And in John 19.30, he says, it is finished. When he's hanging on the cross right before he gives up his last breath. It is finished. He died for you. There's nothing else that you can add to his work. There's nothing else that we need to do but believe in John 6, 29. This is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. He accomplished the work. And in closing, learning from Jesus. Know, experience, and do. Know this. Happiness is found in having a heart that puts God's agenda first. Experience. Think about one of the times in your life when you chose God's agenda first. Thank him for how he has worked through that. And do. Tell God every morning when you wake up this week that you want his agenda first. Maybe even set a reminder on your phone. And now would you bow with me and let's close in prayer. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. 
give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Amen.